This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofop for 2019. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. That's weird. You don't normally do that. Like, have you announced that it's a new year at the start of the podcast previously when we've gone into a new year? No, but I'm feeling excited about this year. The potential, the, the all the things we haven't discussed, the new areas we can go into. Oh, well, are you are you excited about 2019? Oh, I'm Will Anderson, by the way. Uh, are you excited about 2019? <laughs> um, I feel... Yeah, you know what? I had, I've had a lot of people say to me that they thought 2018 was a bit of a shit year. I had a shit year. I, I didn't have the shittest year, but I can appreciate that people around me had a shit year. So, look, I think it'll be better for a lot of people. I'm hoping... I'm always hopeful, Will. I never go into a year going, this is going to be a disaster. It's not like there's anything on the horizon for me, which I'm like, oh, this is going to, this is going to go badly, or this has the potential to go badly. I'm very optimistic. What about you? Um, I, I mean, obviously, you know, the idea of a new year is just such an arbitrary thing, you know? Arbitrary. Yeah. I mean, time ball exists at once and, you know, uh, even in our linear idea of time, it's just like a date we've decided is the start of a new year and problems from the old year go into the new year and all those sort of things. But I kind of feel like the last 18 months have been very good for a whole bunch of reasons. But there's been more testing things in the last 18 months than any time period that I can remember. Um, you know, more relentlessly testing things. Some hard things happening offline where one would just roll into the other and it never felt like I could get a break or get back on top of things. So mm. I have found myself longing for a fresh start with the new year, probably more than I ever have before in my life. I don't think I was ever a person right. who really cared about the idea of this is a new year, this is a fresh start, this is a whatever. But this year in particular, I was just going, let's get to the end of the year. Let's start the new year fresh. I, I want to just like mm. use the momentum of it being a new year. I've been, for example, I've just been doing, my brother was like, just do this. Cause I was like, I'm trying to look after my body a little bit more. And my brother was like, there's this, uh, you wouldn't understand this because you're operating on some sort of Professor X level when it comes to exercise. You're Professor Exercise. And <laughs> I'm more a man who can't get out of a seat. So between us, yeah. we're Professor Ironically, X. you're the one in the wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> a wheelchair. And um, yeah. <laughs> I can't get out of a chair uh, by myself without using my hands. So my core and my arms and all these sort of things, I just need to do some work on it so that I can kind of protect my hips. And so I've been going to see this sort of remedial exercise program that I've sort of started on and got a bit of momentum with. And the other one was my brother was just like, well, why don't you do that push-up thing where you just do one push-up on January 1 and then you do two on January 2 and then just every single day, like, you know, you try to do like one more push-up every day. Now, admittedly, we're recording this and it's January 13 and I've got a pretty unbeaten streak at this stage. I'll be interested <laughs> to see how far into the new year I collapse on the floor and can't do my amount of push-ups. But um, I, I have tried to hard? use the new year for some momentum. Are you on your knees or are you doing full like plank push-up. Like, yeah, actual like push-ups. But like, I, admittedly, yeah, right. Charlie, so, I did start on the first day by doing one of them. So Yeah. Well, I just wasn't sure with your hips because, I mean, obviously you've got to get your body in alignment when you're doing that exercise. And I wasn't sure if that's just like painful for you or not or it's hard to get your hips into that plank position. No, push-ups are okay. There's a lot of exercises that I can't do, but push-ups actually, it's quite a comfortable position to be in in regard to my hips. Mm. It's a... What about stuff like if it's all core? Because I I've um I've been having all kinds of like issues. Um, not when obviously no near as bad as you, but just like I'm at a point now where 
things are, are getting sore and they're not healing, like I'm having to get treatment for stuff. If I pull a muscle or I hurt myself, it doesn't just recover. I need to go get an adjustment done or whatever. And I was seeing this masseuse who was saying, because you're doing a lot of weights and stuff now, you really need to work on your core a lot more because you're carrying extra weight and you're lifting heavy things. And so she was suggesting Pilates as something to try because she said it's really, it's just, it's just very isolated around the core and it doesn't bring into account anything else. It might be good for you as well. No, well, firstly, Charlie, thank you for being the one millionth person. Balloons should be dropping from the roof in your apartment right now because thanks for being the millionth person who suggested that I might be able to uh, do Pilates and sort it out. But um, it, it's a good suggestion because it is good for people who have, you know, like, you know, bad core stuff. But mm. uh, unfortunately, because of my hips, I can't do Pilates at all. It's actually yeah, one of those things that you just can't. It's um, really, it's, well, it's not bad for me to do. It's impossible for me to do, like yoga. You can't, you can't do Pilates, but can you eat gelatis? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Gelato <laughs> and gelatis. Yeah, I'm doing a hardcore program of gelatis. I'm doing <laughs> Bikram gelatis. Uh, it's like Bikram, I'm doing Bikram yogurt. Uh, frozen yogurt, yeah. <laughs> Bikram frozen yogurt, which is where you go into a Bikram room and you try to eat a frozen yogurt before it melts. melts uh, yeah. And I am also doing gelatis. Yeah, gelatis. Yeah, yeah. I put on nineteen kilograms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't look out. It's going on. My core's gotten bigger. I don't know if that's the point of it, but yeah, I've strengthened it by thirty kilograms. <laughs> So how many you see so 13 push push ups in? Yep, 13 push ups in. And I've done them in a streak so far. I don't know how I'm I'm not very good at push ups. Like I I reckon I have never tried to pump out as many as I could. I reckon 20 just is probably second, about my mate. cap though. I'll, I'll just yeah, pause hang up. Uh, we took a little break there. We we're talking push-ups. Uh, I, I was saying I reckon I could smash out 20 push-ups at the most in one sitting, but you're at 13 already. That's pretty good. Yeah, and I reckon based on the 13 that I've done and the weariness that I'm feeling, I reckon I could probably at this stage maybe do 20 as well. But after that, it's yeah. going to get up. I'm going to get into it some problem areas. By the way, I just love My, also about this podcast yeah. is we made it five minutes into the new year without us having to take an <laughs> unexpected break. <laughs> Michael, uh, can you just look up uh, Richmond footballer Jake King, the push-up king, and find out how many push-ups he did to get the title, the push-up king? Because I remember watching a, uh, an interview with him where they talked about, and I could have sworn it was something like 400 push-ups or something that he did in one session, which is just insane. Also, while you're like the, looking that up, can you look up what the world record for push-ups is as well? Push-ups. And I love that you refer uh, that, to it as the title. Uh, like the push-up king, as if it's some title that has passed from one person who is the push-up king to the next person who takes their title. Yeah, well, you know, in uh, it was the it was traditional uh, push-up monarchy. <laughs> he was uh, he was he was appointed by uh, the previous the previous push-up king who died in the the great battle of the chin up the chin up wars no but see it's more like the idea that it's like the what's the belt in wrestling that you can take at any time as long as there's a referee there money money in the bank so um basically it's like that the push-up king title you've got to be ready to have a push-up off at any stage and anyone should be able to come up to you in the street and go i challenge you for the title of push-up king much like you know i guess like the king of wakanda in black panther yeah well i think bruce lee the stories about bruce lee was that when he was back filming in China, like he would often get challenged on set where some Kung Fu master would come up and they would take a break in filming so Bruce Lee could just go off and like get into a fight. <laughs> so maybe it's the same with push-ups. Like you could be in the supermarket, a guy just taps you on the shoulder, you just got to drop and start pumping them out. Here we go, Charlie. I got some information here. Uh, the first record for push-ups was documented by Guinness World Records. Of course, they're your official world record documenters. So you go to the top. Uh, Guinness World Records... 6,006 non-stop push-ups by Charles Linster in 1965. That's, uh, do the math on that. So how long did it take him? How long does it take you to do one push-up? Like a second? Yeah. Three seconds? Two seconds? Yeah. So what's 6,000 times three seconds? (laughs) How many, how long did this take? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it's a pretty easy one, really, because it's 6,000 and there's 60 seconds in a minute. So it should be reasonably easy yeah. for us to actually so work this out. 18, right? So it's 18,000 seconds uh, divided by <laughs> how, many se how many seconds in a uh, 60 seconds in a minute, so 60 minutes, 60 minutes in an hour. Michael, can you do the math on this? My, I'm way too hungover to... I, I, I'm really struggling. I had tequila last night and it's just a bad idea. I'm still... I'm not feeling right. <laughs> five hours. Okay. So in five hours, he did 6,000 push-ups. Uh, what about the dude, the Japanese guy? Okay. So the record for the most push-ups non-stop was 10,507 set by Minoru Yoshida of Japan. Mm -hmm. 1980. Hasn't been bested since 1980. That's crazy. Uh, Michael, just look up Jake King. Push-up King Jake King. <laughs> See how many push-ups he did. Former Richmond footballer and uh, colourful Melbourne identity. Is that how he's kind of known these days? Yeah, I think that's the polite way of pushing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you say pushing it? Yeah, I'm pushing it, yeah. <clears throat> have you ever been the king of anything um like they don't describe you as like the king of comedy or the king of talk shows or something the uh, king of one-liners the pun king you seem to be like if i had to say you you're you you're you're, you're you're the pun king you love good pun i love i love a pun but my act is not particularly pun based like no nah, I, I guess it's, <laughs> it's not really i don't think I mean your posters are okay so I guess if I could lay claim to being the king of anything, it would be the name of my my name being inserted into the name of my show. I would be surprised yeah. if there are any people, mostly for good reason, I imagine, in the history mm. of comedy who have inserted their own name into the title of their show more times than me. Does that make me the king of doing that one obscure thing? I guess if you want to call me the king of that, Charlie, then you can call me King Willie Wheaty, not kill. No, that, that's that's a different guy. I remember um, years ago when I was living in Melbourne, one of our mates was moving overseas, and so another one of our friends had put together like a nice kind of little photo album, like a sort of keepsake of you know photos of all his friends and the places we used to hang out, and and there was a page dedicated to each one of our friends, and it was like you know a collection of photos with some kind of moniker. And so I'm reading through and they're all like really nice, you know, like, uh, you know, um, you know, this guy's like the rock of Gibraltar because he's all reliable. And this person is like, you know, she's the, she's the, the compassionate one. And then I get to my page and it's a photo of me wearing Groucho Marx glasses and a fake nose. And it says the king of cheapness. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's my moniker is I'm the king of cheap gags. <laughs> Jake King, the push-up king, uh, his name was also King. I am now putting that together, yeah. Charlie, that they called him the push-up king, not just because of some sort of monarchical system, uh, but because his name yeah, was I didn't also even, King. I didn't, pick that, I didn't pick that up either. No. <laughs> That's quite obvious when you think about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, if Earl Spaulding had done it, would have he have been the Earl of push-ups? Yes. Or if, like, Freddie Prince Jr., he would have been the Prince of push-ups. <laughs> uh, so he did what 303 in an hour so if we're saying the other guy did it for five hours yep. J uh, Jake King's not even getting not even a, a fifth of the guy who, who won it in 1965 and he's got nowhere near Minoru Yoshida so he's not really the push-up king he's not even a bloody he's not even a push-up uh, what's less than a king <laughs> not, it's not a prince Duke? Not even a push-up. Duke, I guess? I don't know. Where does a Duke rank? I mean, is there a kind of seniority? Is there a hierarchy to those roles? Is there a hierarchy to those roles? Yes. Like, I believe there is, Charlie. No. That's why the king so gets an, to be in charge of the prince. I get that the king and the prince is... But that's, yeah. the, that's like the royal family. But earls and dukes and shit, do they... Like, can they pull rank on each other? Can an earl... Like, if you... If you, if you boarding an aeroplane do the earls go ahead of the dukes or do the dukes go ahead of the earls that's what i want to know oh yeah absolutely that's what i want to know can we google that michael what is the there'll, there'll be an order so it'll go let, let's see if we can guess what it is king yeah then queen queen or queen then king, <laughs> king or queen king or queen um yeah. in this day and age but in the old days it would have been king yeah. queen jack yeah so which is like prince right i'm just going off playing cards now but 
princess. Prince and princess. Princess. Prince and princess. And then do you think it's Duke and Duchess? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of what royal names I know. Duke, Duchess, Earl. What about a Viscount? (laughs) Where does that fit in? Uh, Descending order. Michael's got the information. Yeah, okay. We want to know in descending order. Okay. He's typing with his one broken finger, which he informed us off air. Uh, Michael had to get his broken finger. A finger he broke a year ago, get to get rebroken. Mm. So it's uh, yeah, you know now who, plastered You know up. who could have helped him with that, Charlie? Some of Jake King's friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after after the King, Queen, Prince, Princesses, it goes Duke, Marquis? Is that how you pronounce it? Oh, yeah. Mar- like the Marca- Marquis de Sade, right? Marquis? I get Marquis de Sade, uh, Earl, a Viscount, and a Baron. Oh, so Baron's right down the bottom. Really? Okay. So Yeah. Okay. So, all right then. So, if you're a Baron, so when, it sounds pretty so when good Booker to most T people, was king, <laughs> But to royalty, it sounds pretty shit. When Booker T won King of the Ring, yeah. if he'd abdicated, then I guess the Dudley boys... Or Stacey Keebler would have assumed the throne because she was the Duchess of Dudleyville. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> she was the Duchess of Dudleyville, but they weren't dukes. So it's a bit, I guess because they weren't romantically involved, were they? She was their valet. No, it was the, so you know, the dukes from uh, Dukes of Hazard would have taken oh, over yes. the title at that point. And then if they yeah. abdicated, obviously Carl Barron would have got involved. And then, of course, Earl Spaulding. <laughs> and the last one is called a life peer. You don't hear about that very often. And it was a, it was a uh, position or a, a title created in 1958. The life peer. It sounds very new agey and kind of like a participation trophy, doesn't it? Do you think when you get on an aeroplane, I had to book some tickets uh, the other day for a little trip that Amy and I are taking this week and um, uh, I was filling in her details on her flight and they offer all those Mm. sort of, you know, prefixes. I think prefixes Mm. are are, are really out of date, to be honest. Like even just the idea that, you know, there's like Mr. and Mrs. and all those sort of things. Who cares? Who needs to know? Mm. You don't need to know. You don't need to know if someone's married. Or well, married no, I, or... I, I, I like people to know that Gemma is my property. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is one of those things where, and I'm sure like there's been uh, you know myriads of feminist literature written on this topic, but it's not until you are just staring at something and you sort of through different eyes where you realize even the fact that there's just one for men, which is Mr. And then like, Mm. Mrs. Like females were divided into categories of whether they were married to a man or not married to a man. You know, at that point there was you know misses or a miss. You know, it changed depending mm. on you know your ownership by a man. And then there was suddenly Ms. and then there was a whole bunch of different stuff in between. But even just like a doctor, I maybe get like the idea of putting doctor at the start might mean to the staff if there's like a, an emergency in the air that they can consult the passenger list and see there's a doctor. But why do any of yeah. the other ones need to be there? Those official titles. I don't get it. I don't know. Mr. and Mrs. I mean, I guess it really, well, the, the male one seems kind of like pointless because there's only Mr. So you just assume that everyone's a Mr. You don't even need to put it in there. It's the female one that's kind of like confusing because what you're a Ms. Mrs. or a Miss. You got three options. Yeah. Yeah, Ms. Is that right? Um, yeah, Mrs. But what's what's the difference between Ms. and Mrs.? Uh, or no, what's the difference between Ms. and Miss? Well, Miss, I think originally it was just Mrs. and Miss. But Ms. came in as a bit of a... That was kind of breaking down the glass ceiling at one stage, which was like, yeah. I won't be defined by... Like, you know, I don't feel like I'm a Miss anymore. I'm a, you know, yeah. I'm not a teenage girl. Like, you know, I don't want to be a Miss. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not married, so I don't need to be a Mrs. So they, yeah. they, and they came up with Ms. Ms. I like it. It's cooler. I mean, it should be like... It really shouldn't be MS. It should be MZ. Ms. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. I just think titles are weird. I, I'm. Have you? Do you ever go to people who 
need to be referred to by their titles because I use them sometimes ironically. Like on the radio and stuff, we'll talk to the Lord Mayor or the Premier or whatever, and I will refer yeah. to them as the Lord Mayor or the Premier. But mostly I think I'm just kind of making fun of that or t taking the piss out of it. Have you ever interviewed someone who's a sir or has been knighted? Yeah, Sir Ian Botham and was on our radio show like the last week of that, but we just called him Beefy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, treating him with all the respect uh, that his title deserves, Beefy. <laughs> it is weird. I haven't really thought about it, but no, I mean, and also in Australia especially, like it, it's, I, I was talking to someone the other day, an Uber driver actually, who was taking me out yesterday about um he was talking about australian politics and you know how disheartening it is and you know the change of leaderships we've had over the past 10 years and i just think that we were just talking about it and it's like there seems to be this inherent that tall poppy syndrome that we have in australia also i think prevents any politician putting on airs and graces which is for the which is has its like pros and cons when uh uh creating like policy in this country because Sometimes you need a leader to be quite progressive or forward thinking or, you know, actually put things aside to make the right decision. But there is this desperation with every Australian politician to seem down to earth, to seem like non-pretentious. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe there are just a few roles where we need someone who's a bit more statesman-like. Yeah. Or stateswoman-like. I know what you mean. The idea that, like, you know, you, you have to be the man of the people, that you have to be, like, yeah. prove to the people out there that I'm, I'm just like you. Well, you're not. I eat, I eat meat pies. Yeah. You're not just like us. Like, we all know no. that you're not just like us. None of us want to be politicians. We already think you're weird that you've chosen this as your, like, life and your lifestyle and your pursuit. Don't pretend you're like us. Because if you're like us, mm. you just hate you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's like a, like a really dark episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> Just a politician comes out and goes, I get it, guys. I hate me too. I hate, I hate us. me too. I hate everyone I work with. I particularly hate yeah. even this. Even I hate this. But don't you think that would... I feel like Australia is crying out for a politician like that. Not in this kind of contrived, you know, Clive Palmer or far right way where they come out and say, we're just, you know, speaking like it is. But if, if a politician actually came out and said, look... This is what's going on. Let, let, let's just sort of, let's stop fucking uh, pretending or, or, or just pandering to all these kind of lobby groups. This is exactly what's going on. I think there's room in Australian politics for people, people to respond to that. Someone who actually just like was normal, was a human being and didn't just like, you just get the, this is so uninspiring. Like there's no one that you really get excited about in Australian politics. But that's what happened in America, isn't it? A lot of people voted for Trump not because they're racist or sexist or homophobic or those sort of things. They voted for Trump because they were willing to look past those things because they were so sick of the way that politics is done that somebody saying that they were going to come in and drain the swamp and sort it out and burn it all down was appealing to them. Now, they mm. overlooked the fact that this person was, you know, racist and sexist and all these, you know, corrupt and all these terrible things that um, he is because they hated the system so much that any old idiot, even if he was someone who was actually part of that, mm. you know, sort of system and world coming along saying, I hate this too, was appealing to them. Yeah, it's just about difference, isn't it? It's not specifically about what that person was saying. I mean, I kind of feel like from the time I spent in the States the last couple of years, especially when you're in LA and everywhere you go, there's some celebrity on a billboard or a bus stop or whatever. And they're always selling you something like fame is such a, such a high commodity over there. It makes perfect sense that someone just weaponized that, you know, the, the, the need to idolize or, you know, the way someone who is famous is, is, is suddenly considered to be uh, more worthy than a regular person. I mean, it's a country that has sold people that idea of the American dream, that anyone can be president and, you know, that anyone can be successful. And, you know, you could be the person who wins the lottery and you could be the person who does it. And I think that there was something about the fact that a guy who was literally a brand, like they turned politics into advertising and then a guy who was literally a brand became president of the United States. I mean, for a country that is the most capitalist country in the history of civilization, in a country that mm. spends 30% more on advertising a year than any other country in the world, the fact that they elected a brand, a fact that they elected Tony Stark without the intelligence or the cool suits, like, you know, to be president <laughs> makes complete sense to me. 
Yeah, no, it, it completely does. He's, you know, they do have a lot in common, Tony Stark, in terms of every disaster is of their own creation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like Tony created, Tony Stark, Tony Stark created Ultron, you know. Tony Stark pissed off Guy Pearce, and that's why he came back and attacked him in Iron Man 3. So, I mean, there are, it's not, it's, uh, there are quite a few similarities America there. America is, like when Tony Stark said, I am, I am Iron Man, he was wrong. America is Iron Man. They have the yeah. best weapons. <laughs> They have the greatest yeah. intelligence and they keep getting themselves into messes of their own making. <laughs> now, <clears throat> uh, let's get to some letters. Uh, we'll just, uh, just to remind people out there, uh, we want you to go to our Patreon page. We want you to be Patreon subscribers. So what we're doing for as long as they last is uh, we're going to read up a couple of whatever uh, Patreon messages we get from you guys. We're going to read them out and the best letter, Will and I will vote once we've read uh, the letters, uh, will get a Tofop sticker page. Uh, Sean Maluga, who created the wonderful uh, Tofop sticker pages, has asked me to stress that to stop calling them Tofop sticker books because they're not. It's a single page of stickers. Um, just before <laughs> New Year's, I sent out the winners um, of uh, the, the, pre, uh, the, the people who wrote into Patreon who, who wrote the best letters got their Tofop sticker pages. And so now, Will, we're going to hear from one of our Patreon subscribers, Sally, who says... Hey, Tofop, I'm not sure if I meant to message a post uh, message or post on Patreon for... Hang on. Hey, Tofop, <laughs> not sure if I meant to message or post on Patreon for talking to you. If you could clarify, that would be great. Well, um, you've done the right thing. You've, you've, you've posted a message to Patreon. I'm reading it now. Uh, last week, and I assume she's talking about pre-Christmas, you talked briefly about having Will's brain in Tom Brady's body. <laughs> Did we? And how he... <laughs> I don't remember that. Me and either. how he could become... The president with that combination. If you could combine any person's mind with any person's body to be president or prime minister, what combination would you choose and why? Hope this theoretical helps you get the last episode of the year. Well, Sal, you're getting us through the first episode of the new year. So, well, anyone's body with anyone's mind. Now, you saw the obvious answer seems to be you'd want to take like a perfect physical specimen like The Rock, right? Yeah, the and Rock then was the, immediately who I thought about was The Rock. Yeah, but then, I mean, his brain is pretty impressive, but maybe we, we give him a brain that's more like, I don't know, like the Dalai Lama's brain or something. Who's, who would be a good, like, who could come up with a bunch of solutions to the world's problems? You know what I think we should do? We should put the Dalai Lama's brain in the rock's body, but then we should yeah. put the rock's brain in another good body and he can be his vice president. So the president is the Dalai Lama's brain in the rock's body and the vice president is the rock's brain. You know what? The rock's brain in the Dalai Lama's body. Yeah, let's I was going to say, let's just do Freaky, Freaky Friday Freaky style. Friday. Freaky Friday style. <laughs> and I would love to see at the Royal Rumble, like the secret competitor is the Dalai Lama <laughs> comes running out. He's like the 30th entrant into the Royal Rumble. <laughs> what would his music be? Like his entrance music, like the crowd's got to pop like crazy when the Dalai Lama comes out, but it can't be just like, you know, it can't be like Buddhist sort of like chimes or anything, can it? It's got to be something a bit more rock and roll. No, it would be uh, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel uh, reuniting to sing the sounds of silence. So <laughs> <laughs> or would it be like uh, Slipknot doing a cover of Simon and Garfunkel? Yeah. Or they would start doing like um, a clapping, but it would just be one hand clapping. That's what the whole... <laughs> audience would do <laughs> uh our other patreon letter is from anthony he says hey tofop or will dog and charlie c oh by the way a lot of people got in touch with us over the break we should point out we completely stuffed up with uh, uh when we did the breakdown of warren g's regulate and we couldn't understand how the narrative kept jumping around uh it was pointed out by numerous people who also sent us a link to the music video the story is told from two different perspectives it's Nate, it's Nate Dog and Warren G. So Warren G is getting robbed and Nate Dog's cruising along in his car when he sees his mate getting robbed and so he jumps out. So the kind of rap part is Warren G and the kind of sing-songy part is Nate Dog. I mean, I preferred our interpretation that uh, <laughs> Warren G like was Fight having Club? an existential crisis. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Will Dog and Charlie C. Started off my week going to Will's Work in Progress show at the Comedy Store. Uh, with my partner, it was the show where the first couple of audience members ran with the, with, uh, the aggressive TOEFOP Patreon strategy in the face of interrogation. What does that mean? 
so I was doing these work in progress shows and they're completely improvised stand-up shows. So what I often do is talk to the front row um, and uh, all of them, uh, basically one after another, it, it pointed out to me that they were Patreon subscribers in a way that sort of made <laughs> kind of on the front foot to kind of sort of go, <laughs> hey, don't make fun of me. I'm already overly invested in your career, motherfucker. Oh, uh, that is awesome. Uh, I went. I should tell this story quickly. I went to the um, uh, the actor awards before Christmas, and uh, they gave there was this new category this year, which was like best Asian film, and it was like uh, all these sort of uh, uh, foreign language films from the Asia, uh, Asia Pacific region. And before they gave the award out, Rob Carlton has come out to talk to everyone in the audience, and he's literally said, "Look, uh, you know, Screen Australia are negotiating to um, do this deal with this big." huge Chinese finance group and this could be like really big for the Australian film industry so we're going to welcome out you know the chairman of this finance groups to present the award for best Asian film so guys like you know don't fuck this up don't really make you feel the usual level of disinterest that you would give to somebody (laughs) like this yeah it was so funny like they clearly is like shit we can't have this guy coming out while people are talking and eating and stuff like we need to make sure so when this guy came out it was like a standing ovation (laughs) uh okay so he said uh anthony continues i haven't been to an improvised show for a long time and i was intrigued enough to go on my own to the ninth uh doreen aka big w and the 15th the pantomime crowd playing up against the Globe Theatre pop-up and the Samba, Samba, Samba Drome Revelers. All three shows were fantastic and it was great to see your mind in action. Was it Will's mind or was it the Dalai Lama's mind? Great to see my mind in action as opposed to listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my partner and I have spoken about that retirement home with the cemetery opposite ever since we heard they were planning to build uh, their convenient always springs to mind. Between shows, I spent... The week in Melbourne, and we're getting a diary from Anthony. Between shows, I spent the week in Melbourne and being away from home. I was very happy to see that Tofop225 was uploaded. That was a dick butt kiss. I was less than impressed, though, when I heard Charlie talking about and comparing the Wu-Tang Clan and the Tribe Called Quest as collectives. Interesting. Hip-hop groups, Jungle Brothers, D-La Soul, and a Tribe Called Quest were a collective were in a collective named uh, the Native Tongues, known for Afrocentric vibes, jazz beat samples, and positivity. Wu-Tang Clan were unique at the time because the group was signed with Loud Records, but all the individual members of the group could negotiate with other labels for their own deals. Their style was dark, edgy, and dangerous, mirroring the projects they grew, projects they grew up in. <laughs> the projects. Uh, listening to the lyrics of Regulate featuring Nate Dogg by Warren G being broken down was hard to listen to. <laughs> The key to regulate is that uh, dialogue between a rapper, Warren G, and singer Nate Dogg. So they both take turns to tell their story. Eventually, it got into the flow of what you were describing, and it became funny as always. <laughs> yeah, that should be Tofop's new slogan. Tofop, you'll get used to it. <laughs> Tofop, we'll wear you down. <laughs> In the mid to late 90s, I transcribed lyrics to Unicet Forums and early internet websites. So this, Anthony's hardcore. Like, he's, he's the right guy to be in the case. It must have been like fingernails down a chalkboard to hear us fucking like brutalizing regulate. I had seen some of those lyrics on other websites later on, identifiable due to mistakes I made early on when I was still learning about the culture. Now there's a great resource named Genius and he's given a link which provides accurate lyrics and information about songs. My week rounded off nicely on Saturday when I was sitting in a cafe nearby the comedy store and Regulate played over the speakers. Then the same night, one of the audience members, Simon from Technology Alliances, allowed Will to reference the song in passing in his improvised show. Thank you for all your great content across Tofop, Fofop, Two Guys, One Cup and Philosophy. I discovered the podcast through Game Changers and The Hot Breakfast. Well, there, there you go, Will. Oh. Driving people from your regular job to your fake job. Okay, well, this is, this is weird. I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest, Charlie. It feels like they've discovered my stash of dirty magazines. Dirty secret, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've also downloaded That's Awesome and That's Up Next to Consume. All the best. And he signed it off. Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> with the three spellings of Tony. So, I mean, Sally's letter was great, but I think, Anthony, you're the winner of the Tofop sticker pack this week. Hang on, you said that we voted. You said at the start oh. of this that we would have a vote 
Oh, yeah, well, I voted. I'm voting for Tony, Tony, Tony. Well, look at this sort of election that we're running. Who are you, Saddam Hussein, over here, running <laughs> some sort of election where you say it's an open democratic process and then suddenly only one person gets a vote? All right, who are you voting for? Oh, no, also. No, you're right. <laughs> the person who came and saw my show three times definitely gets yeah. the sticker book slash sticker page. Uh, Anthony, I'll write back to you, but if you could just send me your address, I'll get that TOEFOP sticker book out to you now. Uh, Charlie, now, can Will. I say this? Have yeah. you seen a TV what? show on Netflix called Conan Without Borders? Yes, yeah, I started watching it on your recommendation. Uh, are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, I'm only halfway through the first episode. Okay. The All Cuba. Right. Is that the first episode? Yeah, Cuba? it is. Yeah, no, he's very funny. I do like Conan. Yeah, it's one of those shows where like, he does a very good job of getting that balance between the things of just like making it slightly disrespectful, but not over the line disrespectful, which I think is an incredibly yeah. hard thing to do. But he's very good. Mm. Anyway, newsflash guys, Conan O'Brien might be a talent to watch out for. <laughs> uh, okay, now I was very excited when I got this. I only um, opened this email today. But it's kind of, it's, it, it's good. This is from Michael. Subject, hey Tofop, Bingate information. <laughs> Just when you thought we'd flogged that horse to death. Just when you roll thought it, it was over. safe to go back to the bins. <laughs> Hi Will and Charlie. I'm hoping this email reaches you before recording the last episode of 2018. If not, Happy New Year. Firstly, I have to apologize for spoiling some planned content for the pod by intervening in the Tofop Universe story arc. I need to reveal that I am the Harvey Keitel character in your Bingate saga. I work for myself as a gardener. When you tweeted out the, about the dumped green waste in your bin, so just to recap, I saw a shadowy figure in my neighborhood dumping green waste into my normal bin, like a giant ivy. I don't know where it came from, but it was a, a, a giant ivy. Um, I just finished listening to the episode 224, The Middleman. I did reply to your tweet with some information for you to identify the foliage and I offered to remove the offending material for you as I was working nearby that day. At this point, I also need to explain how I knew that I was nearby that day. Over a number of episodes as a keen teabagger, I have picked up on numerous details Charlie has mentioned on the pod about the area where his apartment is. And in world's greatest detective style, I figured out the location. I'm super paranoid about being seen as a stalker. <laughs> what? We can definitely so obviously... work out where Charlie lives. <laughs> yeah. Through a series so of obviously... clues through the podcast. And maybe have a chart on your wall at home that connects it all, a little map. You're like, maybe this is the burger joint. Maybe this is the little cave he's talking about down here. So I've obviously never divulged this information. You didn't reply to my tweet offering to remove the rubbish. Mm. So out of my curiosity... I drove past to see if it was still there that evening. Now, that sounds delight, something like a stalker would do. <laughs> yeah. To my delight, it was. And I gladly collected it and the cardboard. <laughs> As a longtime listener and supporter of Tofop, I figured this was the least I could do to help you out. I'm so sorry I messed up your planned video content of you chopping up and disposing of the said green waste. <laughs> Hopefully this story just makes it makes just as good a content when you finally learn what really took place. <laughs> By the way, I don't think I've ever laughed harder at an episode of Tofop than when I was listening to you guys speculating on what it might have happened and your bewilderment that the rubbish mysteriously vanished. Now at this point, Michael, just slow clap. Well done, because I was baffled. As I described in that episode, I... Went out to my office, I saw the rubbish, went into my office for a couple of hours, came out, and the rubbish was gone. And I could not fucking figure out what had happened. Like, it was a big ivy and a couple of giant refrigerator boxes gone. So, well done doing it so discreetly. A little creepy that my stalker moves like a ninja. I mean, I guess it's fine when they're coming along to do something that was going to be done regardless. Like, I mean... You know, a garbage disposal person would come along and do that same thing. You've already put the garbage out of your house. But I don't want people to be listening to this podcast and feel like that's a sign of encouragement. That say, for example, if we complain about Ramona barking too much while we're recording a podcast, <laughs> they should come around and take Ramona away. Yeah, I mean, no, I think Michael, Michael, he he read between, he knew what was going on. Like, he, I think the one... The one slip up was I was planning on filming the chopping up and disposing of the content because I feel like we need more video content on our YouTube page. But everything else, I think, you know, he, he, he read the signs pretty well, pretty well. 
I mean, are um, you now worried that you've given out too much information about where you live on the podcast? <laughs> well, I think so, because it turns out that the guy who uh, works at the laundromat and uh, now a gardener seem to know exactly where I live. <laughs> I mean, the good thing about it is, like, if I ever need some gardening or clothes cleaned, then I'm all sorted. That can be equipped in a flash, but no, nah, I'm not too worried. Um, also, as Will suggested, I did do a walk around the neighborhood to see if I could identify the culprit. Now, this is... See, this is when shit gets good. Like, uh, now I've got my boys working for me. I've got dudes. I'm connected. I'm a, I'm a made man. I've got dudes working in dry cleaning. I've got dudes working in gardening. This dude's going around in his free time hunting the ivy dumper. Okay, now By the I'm way, I, Okay, um, I have a couple of strong suspicions, but I need more information about which direction the mystery dumper came from. Another thing, not to come across as a super stalker, which uh, oh, scares you me. You have. You definitely have. Is, but I think I may have a six degrees of separation style connection to the pod cave in Will's old place. Oh, hang on. Now, now, now this is taking a dark turn. Now it's scary. When it was you who was going to be it scum. And what, scum? What is skinned? Scum? Skinned. 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 And scum. Scum. Ah, <laughs> uh, scum my knee. Uh, uh, okay. I have a six degrees of separation to the podcast Will's Old Place and the Chesterfields, which is when we used to record oh. at Will's Old Place, we would sit in very comfortable leather Chesterfields. The short story is that I was working for a client in blank, he names a suburb, correctly, I might add, around the time that the chairs were acquired from hard rubbish. This client had permanently moved out of their property and over many weeks had a continuous load of items emptied from the house sitting in an adjacent reserve. Many times there were items of great quality just simply being dumped to get rid of them. I've always had this theory that the Chesterfields must have come from this reserve on the corner of... Now, I'll tell you off air, and you can... Con well, I'll tell you, and then Mike, I'll bleep it out. Um, well, I guess it, def it definitely was on... And so, I oh, okay. so I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that one of those... That, that other little street going down to the... The beach down there is probably called that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm that it was the reserve. Shit. You can obviously redact the address, but I would love to know if my theory is correct after all these years. I absolutely love the pod and cannot wait for it to drop each week. Keep up the fantastic work. So how the fuck is this? This dude, like, through. I mean, mine was, mine was more detective work. Yours was just a coincidence, though. But this guy is now like inextricably linked with the podcast. It does explain a lot too, though, because I did always think, why would they throw out chairs of that high quality? Like, it always was mm. one of those things where I was almost slightly worried that they were like, oh, no, they were just keeping them there while they were moving into their new house and you just yeah. stole their expensive stole chairs. <laughs> this guy is like Joseph Gordon-Levitt in The Dark Knight Rises. He's going to come see you and your hips are all busted. He's going to come see you and, and, and work and he's going to tell you how he figured out that you're actually Batman, that you do, you do toe fop. <laughs> Uh, well done, Michael. Really great stuff. Thanks for getting rid of that rubbish, and thanks for an excellent email. Um, uh, I got another message here, uh, been related from Alexander to Fop regarding bin etiquette. Hi, Will and Charlie. Just heard your most recent podcast. I decided I want to go over my thoughts on bin etiquette. Good. If a bin is on the street with rubbish in it, I mean the medium to large amount of rubbish, not just some cans and food wrappers from local young hooligans. You can put in any amount of rubbish in it as long as the lid still closes. All right, so that's for bins on the street. That's okay, but that, yeah, I like his proviso that it has to be, you can't take the fact that other people have put rubbish in an empty bin to the fact that the bin has now been restarted over. It has to be clearly like, you know, say for example, your rubbish, you've put it out there on the street. There's a little like, there's 15% left at the top. That 15% mm -hmm. left at the top before they come and collect the bin, I'm fine with that. That is free yep. space. Do with it what you will, but do not open up the lid. Yeah, and he said this is obviously more acceptable on bin night. If the bin is empty on the street, e.g. after bin night, you are allowed to put a small item into it. Food wrappers, can, drink bottles, maybe dog poo if there's no public bin within a few blocks. No? Don't agree. Particularly nah. not on a newly started bin. Like, I would maybe be able to like make the exception for a bin <laughs> night bin that's at 90%. 
you know, it's clearly bin night that night. All the other bins are out on the street and you're going by with your dog poo. That dog poo's going to go, you know, be taken away that night, but not on a freshly started bin. No way. What a... What about small small items, food wrappers, cans, drink bottles? I mean, it's look, if there's no other, if the option is that you would litter other than put it in their bin, then I'm fine with that. But if there is a nearby well, available bin, keep it for the public bin. Well, how is this, right? You've just drunk a, pl- a, 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 a drink, a plastic bottle, and the only public bin is non-recyclable. It's a mixed garbage bin. Do you? But you see a yellow bin outside someone's house. Do you put it in the yellow bin so at least it's getting recycled or do you put it in the rubbish bin so you're being more courteous to the owner of that bin? Charlie, firstly, you mm. should be the new host of Hypotheticals. What a great <laughs> conundrum you have thrown my way. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You know what? I'm going to make a, a, an exception for the, the idea that you're looking after the planet. There's, the public bin yeah. is a mixed bin. There's a recycling bin just there. You can put, yeah, you can put one bottle, not a lot of bottles. Though. If you've been down <laughs> drinking in your cave and you've got like six beer bottles or whatever, you can't put six yeah. in, but a single bottle yeah. for the sake of recycling, I'm willing to accept. Yeah. Have you been doing nangs? You've been drinking beers and smashing nangs in your cave. Exactly. Uh, okay. If a bin is not... If a bin is not reachable from the street, then you cannot put rubbish in it. You cannot walk onto someone else's property, dispose of your rubbish. It is very rude to put large amounts of rubbish in someone else's bin if it is empty. You have no idea how much space they will need in the coming week. If you have a large amount of rubbish, you need to dispose of yourself. You have to need you have to dispose of it yourself. Don't leave it behind your friendly neighbourhood Australian B. Cele- hey. <laughs> Don't leave it behind your friendly neighbourhood Australian B-list celebrities brand new bin. I mean, here's what I would say is, I think that B-list is a compliment. <laughs> generous. I think it's generous. I'm, I think I'm much more D-list. I mean, it, it, look, it, they're arbitrary numbers at the best of times, Charlie. You're on the list. That's what's important. <laughs> you, you may not be, I, I, you know what? You may not be a king, but you no, are but definitely a baron. A baron. <laughs> I'm a life peer. Yeah. He's a real B-list celebrity. And what I mean is baron list, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no one knows what you're saying. Uh, also, here's a bin tip for you. If you have a lot of rubbish one particular week, mm. put the bin on one side of the street where the rubbish truck is coming down. Wait for it to be empty. Oh, mate, of course. That's not, you talk, you, I'm, no, I'm no rank amateur. I know about moving bins to different sides of the roads. But anyway. Hang on. Thanks, what, no, run me through this. I've never done this before. If you have a lot of rubbish one particular week, put the bin on one side of the street where the rubbish truck is coming down. Wait for it to be emptied. Quickly refill it. Then place it on the other side so it can be emptied again. I mean, I think that's just gaming the system. I think I'm, I, I'm totally fine with that. If you are willing yeah. to camp out at your own house waiting for the, you know, the bin collection to happen <laughs> to pull off this bin heist, then I am totally fine with that. Uh, next email comes from someone who doesn't want to give their real name. They have a pseudonym, uh, Susant Muse. Mm. Right. Bit pre- hey, Tofop. Hi, Will and Charlie. A couple of weeks ago, you expressed surprise that a young law student was a devoted listener. Mm -hmm. This doesn't surprise me at all because I am a listener and a Patreon subscriber and I'm a successfully practicing 40-something barrister. Mm, Wow. The reason I'm not surprised is this. (laughs) Susant Muse. The reason I'm not surprised is this. Like many lawyers, I deal with stress and anxiety. I've always found that mindfulness to be completely unhelpful. High-quality mindlessness, on the other hand, is amazing. You are the masters of the genre of high-quality mindlessness. So sorry, but you'll attract lawyers. Hope you both have a great Christmas. Susant, not my real name. But I do have a professional reputation to protect. I don't know why he speaks like a seven-year-old British general. Susant could even be a woman. Uh, Man, that's good. We should re. We should uh, like if we really want to actually pay for this podcast, maybe we should sort of rebrand as a sort of mindfulness app of some. Uh, some all right, kind. I think it's like a legal advice podcast. No, but like pitch ourselves to lawyers and whatever. Maybe we could go in do like live ones because these places have like heaps of money, right? So you know, like the person who's going to come in and teach Pilates or yoga or whatever, like mindfulness or whatever, we could come in and like pitch this, just rebrand it as. No, this isn't nonsense. This is like, we are like the adult colouring books of mindfulness, of podcasting. Yeah, 
That makes it mindlessness. Mindlessness. We are mindlessness. mindlessness. That's right. <laughs> Not mindfulness. Mindfulness. We are mindlessness. <laughs> we are. We're like white noise. Do you ever sleep with a pod? I know we've talked about this before, but do you ever um, no. listen to something while you're like Never. A audiobook or a podcast to go to sleep? Or have you I listen to the, done that? I listen to the brilliance of my own thoughts. I listen to oh. the thing that many other people like to listen to. Me. <laughs> me talking. <laughs> it's like Tofop, but with just me. Uh, Sam gets in contact, says, Hey, Tofop, in brackets, fuck you, Charlie. Hashtag man crush. Dear Will and Charlie. Now, I have read ahead this letter, okay. and I will say, I will editorialize and say that I think Sam is one of these listeners who I think maybe is a fan of the earlier episodes of Tofop, and has uh, consequently written in the style of those kind of earlier Tofops when we were trying so, to be a bit like Are you suggesting, Charlie, not a barrister? Not a barrister. <laughs> Sam writes... I've been listening for close to three years now and I never really had an interest in emailing you guys. Besides a few episodes ago when Charlie was fucking eating during the podcast, it sounded horrible. I wanted to write a strongly worded hate mail, but I never got around to it. Well, I guess I have now. Fuck you, Charlie. <laughs> See what I mean? What I actually wanted to talk about is, just before writing this, I was randomly clicking through the IMDB app on my phone eventually leading to some Aussie dude who was in Blue Healers. I thought, oh shit, I'm going to look for Charlie. After scrolling and scrolling through the cast, I found the Frankfurt-fingered man. And holy fuckballs. Charlie, when I saw your picture, I, reali I realized I had never actually seen what you looked like besides the podcast artwork. Before I go on, I'm a straight 20-year-old male with a girlfriend of three years. Mm. Feels like he's uh, protesting <laughs> too much. Just protesting a bit too much. But then he writes in brackets, this girlfriend hates your show, by the way. Okay. Well, Unnecessary. <laughs> but Charlie, I never imagined you to be so good looking. You look like Alec Rance's uglier cousin. Oh, that's the highest of all compliments. <laughs> I honestly imagine you to be some pudgy 45-year-old, old, short, kind of blank looking guy. <laughs> but seriously, you have the, you have the looks, kid. Get the fuck out of podcasting and do some modeling somewhere. I love that a 20-year-old's calling me kid. So, Charlie, I deeply apologize for assuming you were a pudgy-looking... You were pudgy-looking just based off your personality. <laughs> I really do love the show, guys. You make my eight-hour workday so much better. Love from Sam. P.S. I oh, know. <laughs> I won't read the P.S. No. It's not, not suitable even for this show. Is it more about your pudgy personality? <laughs> no. Well, it is interesting though. Like I, we did talk a few weeks back about like not knowing when you listen to a podcast and then you see what they look like. It can be quite jarring. I remember like well, I was listening to the Weekly Planet for years before those guys even took any photos of themselves. And when I saw James, Mister Sunday Movies, I was like, oh, that's not what I was expecting at all. I even remember being online somewhere and someone had posted what they thought was a photo of James, and it was this like bald, heavy set dude. And I'm like, oh yeah, that. That's what I imagined in my head. You know, a guy loves movies and comic books is going to set. And then you see James like, oh, it's kind of handsome and normal looking. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> um, you have obviously, we've talked about this on the podcast, but you did your men's health fitness campaign and then you've managed to keep that sort of fitness level up. In fact, probably even yeah. improve on it since then, right? But um, yeah. I saw a, a, a photo that you posted to your Instagram the other day uh, of mm. you down at the beach. You've had like a morning swim and whatever and done some exercise. And there's quite a, I mean, put it this way. You don't have the body of a podcaster anymore, Charlie. And I was looking at that on the Instagram and I had a question and I'm going to ask you yeah. that question. Who took yeah. that photo? Me. How did you take that photo? It was too far away from you to take. Have... Your phone has a timer. What? Your phone? Do you not know that? No. So when you go to a photo, there's like a little clock symbol. You hit yeah. the clock and it gives you the option of a three-second timer or a 10-second timer. So you just set it up and you... So you set it up and then you self-timed it and took it yourself. Yep. I mean, that does make a lot more sense than whatever I had in my head, that you'd like flag some passing stranger at the <laughs> beach and go, hey, I look good. Can you take a photo of me for my Instagram? Well, a friend of mine uh, who's a DOP was showing me there is a new camera out at the moment. I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's basically like the new GoPro. It's like a little camera, 
that you can, you know, take for extreme sports and stuff. And it's got this function in it where you, you've got to sell, it comes with a selfie stick. So you can film yourself surfing or skiing or doing whatever, but the technology in the camera maps out the selfie stick. So essentially you have, like you can be doing your activity, but it just looks like you're walking down the street with one of your arms extended, obviously. But it's incredible. Like it's just, this is technology you can buy for like, you know, a few hundred bucks or whatever. And it like completely maps that shit out. So you can, you can attach this camera that comes with like, it sounds so crazy, but you got to see this video. You attach this camera to like a foam dart, right? And you can throw this dart, like the way they showed it is like guys skating in a bowl. They throw this dart, the dart glides through around these skaters and just gets these amazing shots like floating in and around all these people. It's just like, man, the selfie game is getting real strong now. Like you, you it, pretty soon we're going to have all like little tiny little drones that can launch from our phones and get any kind of angle we want. Oh, it's so good. We are going to get the best selfies of, you know, the oceans <laughs> rising and the world being on fire. <laughs> Look at me in front of this, this raging fire in the middle of winter. Look at me in front. My house is all wet, but check out this selfie. <clears throat> well, did you notice behind me in the water, the sea levels were just like rising <laughs> in that photo? Yeah. All right. Last email is from Laura. Oh, Shit, I did it. It said the last name. Mike, I'll bleep that out. That was a mistake. Uh, Laura says, Hey, Tofop, recent fan. Uh, I'm listening to the new episodes and also working backwards. I've just got to episode 203 and have a follow -up, couple of follow-up questions, which is good. We encourage this. If there's stuff you want to know about the show, stuff we've talked about or things you want more information on, uh, hit us up. Charlie, what happened in Scotland? You seem to have a negative impression. Laura, I cannot remember what we talked about. But let me just say this. I love Scotland. I go there regularly. My wife is Scottish. Her family all live there. Um, if I was saying something maybe about Scotland, it was probably very minor. I generally have a good time when I'm in Scotland. Glasgow is one of my favorite cities in Europe. I think it's fucking cool and coming along and, and awesome. So I don't know what I said. But if it was negative, it was probably very minor. Um, any chance you guys will come over to Scotland to do a show? I mean, there probably is a chance, right? There could be a well, chance. There's always a, there's always a chance. Well, I mean... They have, I mean, I'm not saying that we would do the show at the Edinburgh Fringe, but it's a place where no. there is a comedy audience and yeah. there is a, it is a place where your wife is from. So yeah. the, like the possibility true. that we could actually do a show in Scotland is not outrageous. Now, do we have any plans to do it? No. We don't have a, no. any plans to do a show anywhere at the moment. So <laughs> we can't even get in the same room. So the idea that we would have to travel to Scotland to get in the same room to do the podcast probably makes sense for us. That is a TOEFOP uh, affordable plan, in what, by which I mean not affordable at all. Uh, Laura says if we do, she promises uh, that they won't throw whiskey and iron brew bottles at the stage unless we're shite. Yeah, but that's the problem. The high standards of the Scottish. Yeah. Uh, also, in the episode, you discussed Bohemian Rhapsody and how the trailer looked terrible. Did either of you go and see it? And did your opinion change at all? You can go first. Uh, no. And I think that answers the second one. Uh, I did go see it. And no, my opinion didn't change. I mean, it is perfectly fine as like a, you know, if, if you're going to go see We Will Rock You or it's like a musical. That's what it feels like. It's not a rock biopic. Like, it just, I think you could, I could have had just a good a time listening to Queen. <laughs> like I, I don't really, like Remy Malik is pretty amazing as Freddie Mercury, but at the same time, there's this thing in the film that just drove me mental where it's like, it felt like every 15 minutes, the band would, there would be a conversation which would go something along the lines of like, no way, man, we're Queen, we're the rock and roll band Queen. And we, we never, we never compromise. And then like 15 minutes later, it's like, you know, as the band Queen, we feel like we should be playing uh, at Wembley. You know, we're Queen. It's like, we get it. We get it. <laughs> we get it. You're Queen. Yeah. We get it. Uh, this film was made by the remaining members of Queen, who really want to emphasize yeah. that it's not a movie about Freddie Mercury. It's a movie about the band Queen. Uh, I can name Brian I mean, May, and then there's the others. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's... They, everyone talks about the, the, the final sequence, they do the Live Aid thing, and they recreate it, which is great. But here's something else you can do. Go on YouTube and watch the footage of Queen and Freddie Mercury performing at Live Aid. Yeah, it was <laughs> pretty fucking amazing. It was filmed quite yeah. well. You can actually yeah. watch it and happen. That's actually, 
And that's actually them. Yeah. That's actually Freddie Mercury singing. And it's on YouTube for free. It's really good. For free. It's so realistic. Anyway, thanks for reading. I really enjoy the show and it's helped me through some tough months. So keep up the good work. Uh, well, it did win the Golden Globe and I, I've got to say that I would I would go and see it because I'm enough of a Queen fan or at least enjoy you know the story of Freddie Mercury and the music of Queen enough that I'd happily see it. I... Uh, you know, I'm aware of all the sort of liberties they've taken with the facts in the storyline and stuff, and that annoys me a little bit. Um, I've been watching, mm, uh, and that the and the director is a potential sex criminal. Well, I mean that doesn't help. But you know, Charlie, if we're going to stop watching movies because the director is a potential sex criminal, there's not going to be a lot of movies left for us to watch these days. So yeah, good point. Um, I've been watching the assassination of Gianni Versace. Have you? What's that? So it's the Amer- it's the new American crime story. So you know the 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 first series was the People versus O.J. Simpson, and oh, yeah. now they've done um, it's Ryan Murphy, and it's like they've done the assassination of uh, Gianni Versace. And I've realised that I didn't really know much about the assassination of Gianni Versace. No, and this show is one of the most disturbing things. Like so well made, so brilliant. The the, I won't give anything away because I think it's one of those things that if you don't know the story, go into it not knowing the story because okay, it's cool. like a real-life American psycho. And it's just, awesome. like, it's disturbing. It's, like, hard to watch before bed. Like, it'll give you nightmares, still disturbing. And I've start, a friend of ours, Gatesy, um, who mm. has a policy of not watching trailers, I'm starting to think that this year I might try to not watch trailers and not know about things because the reward that I'm getting out of watching this thing and not knowing that so-and-so actor was going to be in it and not knowing what the story was and stuff, it just adds Mm. such a... I realise I've been cheating myself by knowing so much about movies before I'm going into movies or so much about TV shows. And particularly in this day and age where the trailers tend to give away like a third of the movie. Like you just... Everything. You know so much about them before you go in. This is great because actors turn up that you weren't expecting and just the storyline itself is incredibly compelling. It's a really good show, I reckon. Where's it on Netflix? Uh, I'm watching it on like Amazon. Apple, I think. On Apple TV, maybe. Okay. All right, you bought it. Yep. Oh, you paid for entertainment. What's that like? I, I like to pay for entertainment. Please, join our hey, Patreon. There you go. Calm down. Calm down. Um, all right, let's wrap it up there. It's good to be back. It's good to see you, Will. I have to uh, reveal something. This entire show, you've been frozen for me. Oh, really? So, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been trying to like assess if you are reacting or if you're wanting to speak. I, I don't know if it, I don't know if anyone at home has been able to tell, but yeah, you've been frozen pretty much ninety percent of this show. I mean, I could tell a little bit, and also I would have t- not taken so much care to you know seem bored when you're talking if I'd known that. <laughs> Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash tofop and sign up for any amount. It's a monthly deduction from your bank account or credit card, which helps support the show. Helps us pay Mike Hal and James Fosdyke, who does the artwork. By the way, Fosdyke and I have been working on episode five of Quantum Cop. We did a big brainstorming session and he's drawing it up at the moment. It's going to be very funny. Uh, that'll be coming to the Patreon very soon. Uh, you can get uh, a bunch of Fosdyke merchandise at his Redbubble page. Uh, and I know this because I got some stuff at his Redbubble page for my office. Um, and uh, it's amazing. Like the quality of the posters and a few things that I got from there like are absolutely stunning. So I would recommend go to his Redbubble page and search around and uh, get yourself a poster or something for your house. Uh, it's my dream that we can, I don't know how, but we get successful enough that we can exclusively make Fosdyke our in-resident artist because I do get jealous when I see his artwork for like another podcast or another comedian or something, I'm always like, oh God, I wish we could afford just to kind of make him exclusively ours. We can't. (laughs) The truth of it is that we can't. But if one day we were successful enough that we could, that'd be great. Um, uh, Willosophy, uh, which is uh, a podcast that I have, we are putting out new regular episodes. So there's one with Mikey Robbins uh, that has come out. And then I reckon by the time that people hear this, uh, the new episode with Hannah Mouncey will be out and uh, Celia Picola is coming up, Father Bob. Anyway, there's some good episodes of that coming up soon. Willosophy. Back on the Willosophy train, man. The Willosophy wagon. Yeah, the Willosophy wagon. Back on the Willosophy wagon. <laughs> Um, we're on Twitter, Facebook, join the discussion at the Tea Room, which is uh, the letter T, not the T-E-A, Tea Room. Um, I was there uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was a very heated discussion about Louis C.K. 
I didn't get involved. I believe the entire conversation has been deleted. So just be nice to each other. Like, if you're going to get into a discussion where people feel strongly about stuff, just remember to respect each other. Like, in our name, if, especially if you're meeting in our name, everyone just be cool to each other. Cool yeah. things are cool people, right, Will? Right, yeah. Say whatever the fuck you want outside our forum. But, you know, keep it nice inside our forum, you know? Yeah, very much this is meant to be a, a fun place, not a, not a place for people to be terrible to each other. And I have no idea what you're talking about, by the way. I was just, I just, as a general principle, I am in favor Oh, yeah, no, of that I know principle. you have, I know you have no idea what I'm talking about, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you understand um, what I'm talking about. I have some about. shows. You, uh, I think, I believe you're, I believe you're familiar with the world, right? Yeah, exactly. And the internet in particular. So, yeah. um, I yeah. have some shows. Uh, my new show, Will Informed, uh, it debuts in Hobart and then uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I am not in Adelaide or Brisbane for their festivals this year, which is like the first time in a very long time. So, sorry to people in those cities but i will come back uh, to those places at another time uh okay we'll be back next week i'm charlie glawson i'm will anderson this podcast is part of the planet broadcasting network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates i mean if you want it's up to you